Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, a little under the weather today, but you got to show up. You know what I mean, man? You got to be ready to go. Casey, Paul, Reed, Elliot, how we looking, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. I don't know what how you know, I don't have allergies. Some people tell me this is a bad allergy season. Is that right? I don't know. I don't have allergies. I have no idea about allergies. But I hear you get them when you get older. You guys have allergies, anything like that? No, I got that taken care of a long time ago. I used to get them pretty bad. Whatever happened to the peanut thing? Uh, I find out <laughs> this week. I had, to, I had to get a stronger test than they thought they were going to give me, so it takes a little longer to get the results. Okay. Find out this week. Well, I need you guys on your game today because I'm a little under my game today. Well, we're going to bring it, all right? We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 a to 12. P. And you can join us. Many of you already in the chat. Go to YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports if you'd like to join us in podcast form. By all means, search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Look, it was a thrilling weekend series at Great American Ballpark. No two ways about it, right? Huge crowds, great weather, and the mighty Atlanta Braves sporting the best record in the National League rolling into town. They are the gold standard. We said it last week. If not quite gold, the Reds are coming close to being silver. This team is exciting. They're tough. You feel like when you watch them, they're never out of a game. Some say Friday night's game was one of the best, if not the best, in the history of Great American Ballpark. That spans 21 years. You had Ellie De La Cruz. He becomes the first Red since the great Eric Davis in 89 to hit for the cycle. Joey Votto hits a couple of home runs. The bullpen survives 11-10 the final. But now we put the little asterisks which we're going to continue on this theme in a minute. Luke Weaver went all of three and a third innings. He gave up five. On Saturday, Graham Ashcraft returned from the injured list. High hopes. He'd be the Graham Ashcraft we saw in April. Nope. Ashcraft gives up six runs in four innings in a 7-6 loss. And yesterday, Levi Stout. He gets a ball, hung around for all of three innings, and he gave up three runs. Matt Olson, who homered four times over the weekend, broke a 3-3 tie in the six, a three-run blast. Elliot, off your guy. Ian Jabot. That's your guy? That is, and he's high-leverage Jabot. People don't talk about this. Nobody is worse in a clutch moment than Ian Jabot. He comes in, he gives up a meatball, and to be fair, that pitch was out of the zone. It was high and out of the zone, uh, Matt Olson's just the greatest first baseman in the league right now. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Ian Jabot, Ian Jabot is just the worst. I, I, I say that with love and I say that with, res, with respect. It's just he's not good. He's, when, when, when it's not cutting time, Tom, he just, just dies on the, on, the, on the grass. I heard Tommy Thrall and Jeff Brantley referring him, to him as their good luck charm because he has really? eight, eight wins. Every time he comes <laughs> in, they score and they win. I think he's second in the National League in wins. But that's only because he blows a save and then stays in long enough for the Reds to take the lead after he blows it. A lot of people down. I was walking around different places yesterday. I had three people just killing Jabot out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, kill him. Uh, so the Braves win yesterday, 7-6. They take two or three over the weekend. Milwaukee beat Cleveland yesterday in extra innings. So the Reds are a half game in front of the Brewers, who will play the Mets in New York starting tonight. Car- Charlie Goldsmith 
is coming up at 1025. He was at Great American Ballpark all weekend for Cincinnati.com. Look, here's the deal. I just said it a minute ago. The Reds are good. They're exciting. They're fun. There's no doubt about it. I think they're playoff good. I said that two weeks ago here. And I think it would be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. But we got to be honest here. Okay? And that's what we're all about here on Off the Bench. It ain't happening with at least one trade, maybe two trades for starting pitchers. The Red starters this year, their collective ERA stands at 5.89. That's almost six runs per nine innings allowed. Only two teams in all of Major League Baseball have a worse ERA. Who are those teams? The Colorado Rockies and the Oakland A's. Only one other team outside of those three has a starter's ERA above five. That would be Kansas City. So, somehow, some way, the Reds have found a way to win. Big-time offense, very good bullpen. But are we starting to see cracks in the bullpen? I mean, they're bringing up guys from the minor leagues at 3 o'clock in the morning to make their major league debut because so many of those guys down there have been used. And you can't beat up on David Bell for that. He can't control if a starter goes three innings, three and a third, four, giving up six. He can't control that. He can't do it. They got to make a deal. They got to make a deal. And we're going to get into this Hunter Green thing in a minute. I made the comment weeks ago when it started with Ladola. I'm not patting myself on the back. I just said, fortunate enough to be around for a while. And when you got HIPAA stuff going on, right? And you got all kinds. I don't believe anything that any team, not just the Reds, I don't believe anything they tell me about a player's injury. I just don't believe it. And now all of a sudden, Hunter Green is looking for a second opinion on his injured hip. Why do you get a second opinion? I don't know. Maybe he didn't like the results of the first one. Tonight, the Reds are on the road. A very brief three-game series against a good team, Baltimore Camden Yards. Brandon Williamson faces Cole Irvin, who's not pitched well in less than a handful of starts. Rich Dubroff, one of Paul's old uh, liberal elite friends from Baltimore. <laughs> from BaltimoreBaseball.com will give us a preview of the Orioles coming up at 11 o'clock. Talk about the Mets. I mentioned them a second ago. Boy. Oh, boy. Billy, 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 Billy. Trouble in the Big Apple. They're spending almost $380 million on this outfit. Okay, so let's, let's go back for a second to yesterday. All right? They have a four-run lead in the eighth inning at Philadelphia. Three-run lead, forgive me. Three-run lead going into the eighth inning at Philadelphia. They're trying to win a road series for the first time in forever. A reliever comes in who was in the minor leagues most of the year. Walk. Then a single. Then another walk. But then a ground ball that should have been a double play. And guess what? Nope. Doesn't happen. Goes as a fielder's choice. They get one out. Then what do you get? Another walk. Then another reliever comes in from the bullpen. The first batter that he faces, he hits him. Okay, to bring in the tying run. Then the next batter comes to the plate with the bases loaded. I want you to watch this fella and looks like a green shirt sitting in the first row behind the plate at Philly. Clearly a Mets fan. Now remember, tie game here. 
We've seen three walks and a hit batter and a bobbled ball to bring in runs. Watch this dude. Ah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Just left. Look at it. Ah, that's it. Done. D-U-N done. <laughs> that's torture right there. I mean, there's nobody like Mets fans. It's like the insurance company. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. That's Mets fans. They've seen a thing or two. <clears throat> man, oh, man, that poor guy. Lord knows where he went afterwards. Um, okay. Uh, on the college front, winner take all game tonight in the College World Series. LSU won on Saturday night. Florida scores 24 runs in game two last night. Winner take all tonight in Omaha. And Casey, what in the world happened to FC Cincinnati? The best team in the MLS. They haven't lost since the middle of April. They were blown off the field in D.C. 3-0. Casey, give me a full report. Um, I mean, they have been struggling. Uh, they have uh, been struggling because they are out a couple of key starters. Um, Vasquez, Roger, yeah. He's playing on the uh, men's team right now for the Gold Cup, so we really missed him. Um, he actually scored a goal for the men's team. Uh, and we, we're missing some key defenders. I mean, it's just when you start losing some guys and that consistency starts to fade away, you, you just can't rely on those guys. And I think they played a team that is pretty decent, and um, this was the first test to see how good our depth was. And I don't think it is by any stretch of the means terrible, but they, they came in very flat. I think they, they tried to do too much probably, and it burnt them. And it showed very early. Um, they figured it out in the second half. Um, but it wasn't good, Tom. It was not good at all. Um, I'm worried because... They're going to go on this little skit here if they uh, don't get their guys back, which I don't want to ever say that I hope the, the men's team loses. God, no. I'm, I'm, that would be un-American. That would be very un-American. Very un-American. Yeah, who would do that? But they, they, are, they need their guys back. They need their guys back because they're, they're going through a stretch here where they need, uh, they're going to need them. So. See, but this is something, again, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this is something that, again, I, I just think if you're trying to embrace, and FC Cincinnati is an easy team to embrace. They're exciting. They win. They sell out just about every game at home. It's kind of the place to be down there, TQL Stadium. But between the Lamar Hunt Open in the middle of your season – Players leaving to go play internationally to represent the United States. And God bless them. I mean, I don't, nothing against that. But in the middle of your season, dudes are just gone. I mean, you imagine like all of a sudden Major League Baseball having, you know, Joey Votto picks up and India splits and Steer all of a sudden is somewhere. And all of a sudden you're sitting there trying to play fill in the blank. The Orioles here for the next three days. And those dudes are all playing at some other tournament. Am I right or wrong on that? Yeah, it? it's basically like if the NHL didn't give the players off for the Olympics. And that's basically how this is going. 
But there's always a international tournament. Like there's, I don't even know what this. Inter- I I try to follow it as much as I can, and I don't even know what this thing is that they're playing in right. Well, I know what the Gold Cup is, but I don't know what this thing is that they just won. They beat Canada last week. Shout out, calf, shout out, shout right? out, US. Indeed, that, that was the Concaf. Yeah, but that thing was just invented like five years ago. I mean, hey, early dominance. How about those red legs, Tom? <laughs> You know, I tell you, it's, uh, it, it, I mean, it, it, it really was so exciting. Any of you guys go down this weekend? Yes, I was there Friday. Okay, get, give me a full report. Uh, here's what I I'll mean, s- I hear, you know, Charlie Goldsmith is coming up in a few minutes. Now, Charlie hasn't been around since the ballpark opened. I don't even know if he's old enough to have been around since the ballpark opened. Uh, but the ballpark opened in 2003. I was there for just about every home game from 2007 to 2020. And I can't remember a game that was more exciting than that game. Yeah, I, I've i been to a lot of games over the years, but not nearly as many as you, Tom, but I can't remember one. There's not one that even comes close, really, because the only thing that I was saying to other people around was the game, Ellie's debut from a couple of weeks earlier, but even that didn't compare to what happened on Friday because we went, we did our usual buy the cheapest seat and then go and sit wherever. We ended up having to be in standing room because there were no seats. You couldn't find a seat down below the, the 500 section. All right, let me interrupt you real there, quick. Let yeah. me interrupt you real quick. What was the standing room only experience like? Well, I mean, when you'd go get something, would you come back and kind of somebody was standing there in the place where you were? Yeah, I mean, we had to, I, I, so we walked in uh, the, the third base gate. We went out to the outfield to try and find a seat. We found a row of seats that was empty. We sat there for about two innings before the people showed up, right. got booted out of there. Went over to a different side of the park, standing there. Then we went up to the 500s. Then we came back down. I was like, I can't, like, we got to get back down. It was, it just was, we were almost all the way up at the very top. And I was like, if, I'd rather do standing room than sit all the way up here. So we went back down. We were in standing room. I stood, uh, I, st- I think I stood, I took a video of it. It was right kind of by home plate, first base. And it was packed. Yeah, it, w- it was every time you would step away, somebody would fill in your yep. spot. Then in the eighth and ninth innings, around the seventh inning stretch, maybe went out to center field and underneath the smoke the smokestacks. That was packed. I mean, it was legitimately it was a true sellout. It was you know there was a concert, there was fireworks, but it was a true baseball yeah. sellout. Same with Saturday, same with Sunday. There were no seats anywhere. It was it was crazy. It was the craziest environment I'd been to. It was probably one of the better games of the baseball season this year it happened here 11 to 10 I mean it was five nothing it took us 35 minutes to park just to get down there to park it took us 35 minutes when we were down on you know right around sure. square point and by the time we'd parked and gotten in it was five nothing when we sat down and from there it was you know an 11 to 10 final so they outscored them 11 to 5 the rest of the way it was incredible I can't remember a game a regular season game I've, I've never been to a regular season game like that, ever, ever anywhere. It, it, was, it was unbelievable. I'll never forget it, truly. We'll never forget it. Between the cycle, between two Joey Votto home runs, yep. between holding on and winning the game 11-10. to 10, I mean, a lot of run. It wasn't a pitcher's duel. It wasn't one nothing that happened in two hours. 21 combined runs in front of 40-plus thousand people. It was incredible. Did either one of you guys go this weekend or no? Okay, and what was your impression yesterday? Sunday, I, I, I don't go to many Sunday Reds games, 
But I think the couple I've been to in like, you know, just the middle of summer, there's not a whole lot going on. Middle of summer, Reds are usually out of it. I, I, I mean, truly, we, we, I waited, I think, 30 minutes just to get in the door for the, for the stadium. It's just that there's just that many people. The concourse is a mess. I love it. I love it. The game yesterday was awesome. Obviously, it didn't go our way. Pitching isn't great. I think in 14.2 innings, starting pitching has given up 14 runs. Yep. Not going to get it done. But the atmosphere in the, at this stadium, it's, it's, it's nothing that I've experienced in my 24 years of life. Not in the middle of June. Not in the middle of summer. It's, it's, it's the most excited I've ever been to, as a Reds fan. Without question. Without question. Tom, does Great American Ballpark need to add more standing room? Yes. You know, I don't – well, I mean, you guys would be able to answer that question. I'm not sure. Um, look, I mean, you know, the ballpark – it's funny how these things change as time goes by. I mean, they only have a certain amount of real estate down there, right, right. where they put that ballpark in. And so, you know, they're going to be – and it's nobody's fault. I mean, you got to make it fit into the room you have is that, you know, the concourses aren't that big anymore. They were when it first opened. Right. But now all of a sudden, not as big, Right. And so, you know, you're always looking at different changes you could potentially make. I don't know from an architectural standpoint. I don't know from a building standpoint. If there's anything like that that you can do, I have no idea. Um, I think the size of the ballpark is perfect. I don't think you need 48, 50,000 seat ballpark. I, I agree. We did that in Arizona um, when the Diamondbacks started playing in 1998. It's 51,000 seats. Well, for the first two or three years of the franchise, when you're drawing three and a half million, that's great. But now all of a sudden, you can have 31,000 down there, and it looks like the place is empty, right? Yeah. There's just no mm -hmm. vibe like there is in a 40,000-seat state. I, I remember last year, I walking into Arizona. I, one, had never been to a, an air-conditioned sporting event, so that was kind of wild. But I remember sitting in there and looking around, and it was a decently crowded game on a you know Tuesday night in July. But it felt empty. I oh, looked around. And I just could not get over how big that stadium was. Well, they're not going to be there long. I mean, that, that, that's a mess that we'll get into uh, some other time down the road. Because, I mean, you talk about a team and all of a sudden th th there's some issues there with what they're going to do with their ballpark. It's too big. Uh, anyway, but, but I think Great American answer. I mean, I think the place is great. I, I agree. But I took my dad to Progressive Field and PNC Park yep. last week. And the biggest difference between those stadiums and Great American Ballpark is – they have manufactured, they've taken out sections of seating in favor for like standing bar area. You know, just have a, have right. a nice little bar, stand there. The entire right field line at Pro Progressive Field, all standing room. I think the Reds could do that. Down the right field line, right underneath the Budweiser deck, take out all those seats and make those standing room only. Yep. And you could do the same on the left field side. It just adds an extra element to the game. I, I don't know if it gets more people in there, but it almost makes it more enjoyable. And when you're standing, you, you're a little bit more lively as a fan than compared to when you're sitting. So I think that's just something that the Reds could easily do and make it. The Indians, or the Guardians rather, have a deal. Per month, it's like 45 bucks, And you get a ticket to every game, standing room only ticket. Right. The Reds could do that in a heartbeat, and that would be a great deal. You know, during Saturday, or in June and July, you get your monthly standing room only ticket, and you go to any game that you can. That would be great. You know, that old Cleveland thing is just so weird because some of you, you guys may not be old enough to remember, but there was a time when they brought up all those young players that we were talking about last week where they went to two World Series, they got beat in each one of them. But they set the all-time record in the history of Major League Baseball, which they still hold, for consecutive sellouts. Mm -hmm. When the Dayton Dragons broke the all-time record 
in professional baseball for consecutive sellouts. The streak they broke was held by the Cleveland Indians. And so they went, I don't know what it was, six or 700, something ridiculous like that, where they sold out every game. And, uh, and now all of a sudden you can't do fly, uh, draw flies. And, and they've had some good teams there in Cleveland. Not World mm-hmm. Series teams, but some good teams. I'll tell you what, before we get to Charlie, I know he's coming up in a second. Ham and Eggers, take it away. And we'll get to Charlie Goldsmith right after this. Mr. President, please take it away. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right, Charlie's coming on. We'll call it the Bengals Report, even though I don't know how... Probably not going to talk much Bengals, but we'll at least call it the Bengals report here. It's brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions with a data-centered world for a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and, Casey? Productivity. That's right. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, new premium alkaline water. It's right here in front of us, and it tastes fantastic. It's made in Hamilton right across the street. It's called Pawnee, Pawnee Water, and it uses natural limestone filtration unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I Water.com to see where you can buy it. Get your coffee from UDF, bet with Betfred, Drink Pawnee water and get your technology solutions from Encore. Also, July 17th, mark it down if you haven't already. Chatterbox night at the Reds. We've rented out the the deck out in center field. July 17th. It's a Monday night against the Giants, July 17th. And one last thing, merch coming soon. It's scheduled for July 1st. I think it still should be July 1st. There's some good stuff. We can't give you a preview. We've gotten a little bit of a, a taste of it. There is some really, really good stuff. So look forward to that. And I'm not just saying that. I'm not just saying that as a company man. There is some high-quality stuff that we will be launching here in the coming days. Um, and anything, 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 fellas. I'm forgetting. Anything? Let's get, anything the, Discord no. Let's oh. get the Discord in there. Let's get the Discord in there. Go ahead and hit the yeah, Discord. Yeah, I will. Yeah, what's up? I was just going to say, did I see you and Lizzie shopping for some home goods? Oh, yeah. Last week? Bed Bath & Beyond is going out of business. They've been doing that for like two years, haven't they? No. Bed Bath & Beyond is going out of business. So Lizzie and I don't have a house. We don't know where we're going to live. But she was like, we need to go and take advantage of the deals. So we did. That's that's great. I know. That's being economically smart. And that's That's what I've always said about you, Paul. That's right. That's what many people say about me. That's what we know. Economically smart. How did you think you got the biggest house? Well, I don't know how economically smart. Uh... Pulling off three and fourteen parlays. Mm. Is that smart? I don't know. Is that economically smart? <laughs> ask Elliot about that one. We will ask Elliot later. We have Charlie with us, right? We yes. do. All right. Let's get to Charlie Goldsmith. He was down there, a great man. Charlie, I, I have a hard time figuring out. First of all, good morning. I mean, are, are you covering the Reds? Are you covering the Bengals? What the hell is going to happen here when the Bengals open training camp uh, and the Reds are still in the hunt for the playoffs? Are you going to be double dipping? What are you doing? They do me a favor with the schedule. The Bengals go in the morning and early afternoons, and the Reds get to the park around 2.30, 3 o'clock. So it works for the time it was. I tell you what, you're a grinder, Charlie. I mean, you just get it done. Okay, 
we were talking, and I think you actually wrote this, correct me if I'm wrong, um, about this potentially being uh, the greatest, if not one of the greatest games on Friday night, let's start there, uh, at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, I, that was a point Joey Votto made. That was a point just talking to a lot of players and coaches about the they'd seen in there. I remember the conversation I had with Matt McClain when he got drafted. They showed all the recent draft picks that year, like highlights of the 2012 playoffs, and they didn't have a game since then to show the young guys that type of atmosphere. That's 11 years. And now I think whenever they have those similar conversations, they can show everybody kind of what the Red Friday they've been building over the last couple weeks. I think we're having some problems here with, uh, with Charlie. Uh, should we double check with, back with him or what should we do here? He kind of keeps cutting in and out. You want to just stay with it and see you what happens me? here? All right, Charlie. Um, okay, you go through the weekend. The Braves come into town um, and you lose two out of three. We, we, we were starting to talk about before you joined us. I mean, it was electric down there, as you point out, really for the first time since 2012. The 13 team had some nice moments. They had good players. But we know what happened. And ever since then, you know, outside of a COVID year, it's been a disaster. Um, now, all of a sudden, though, you know, you, you, you go toe-to-toe with the Braves. Yeah, you lose two out of three. But I think a lot of people can walk away from that series and say, hey, man, this team isn't that far off. But I gave the numbers, Charlie, about uh, the, the ERA starters. Only two teams in baseball, the Rockies and the A's, are worse than the Red starters. And the only other team outside of those three with an ERA of over five is Kansas City. All of those teams are in dead last. W- what is this franchise now, do you think, going to do? Going, what do you think they're going to do? What do you think they should do? There's short-term and there's the long-term. And in the short-term, they're, I don't want to say stuck, but this is the reality right now. There's no, we already had Andrew Brandon's enjoying the rotation. Green and Ben Lively, their returns aren't imminent. Um, you know, Alec Mills is a guy who's pitched for the Cubs. He's on the Louisville bats right now. He was kind of out for the start of the season. Now he's ramping up innings-wise. He could be a guy that joins this rotation. But I don't think you're expecting a 31-year-old Alec Mills to be the savior they're going to need Ashcraft to figure out his two-seam fastball, Williamson to get more consistent with his fastball, Weaver to find his changeup and his command again. Then the trade deadline. Um, I think what makes most sense for them is kind of a veteran one-year guy to kind of be a fourth starter for them. I think that it might be a little too aggressive going all in for a, a Marcus Stroman or a Shane Bieber or, or that type of ace on the market if Dylan Cease is available, that type of guy. Because I think you have to look at the overall window to win a World Series as opposed to just going all in on a playoff berth in 2023. I think the mistakes the Reds made in 19 and 20 were just about chasing a lower bar of you know expectations. I think they need to keep their mind as they go forward. Well, you know, I mean, I, I hear you. Um, I, I mean, I definitely hear you. But, but, but I, I sit there, and again, I ask myself the question. I mean, let's face it. You look, Andrew Abbott did not start this weekend. You look at the starters you ran out there against the Atlanta Braves. Now, in fairness, the Reds did not catch the Braves' best starters either. So that's fine. Um, some young, talented guys. Morton's a solid guy, has been for a long, long time. But... I still say, I look at facing the Dodgers. Their starters ERA is brutal. Now, they've had three or four guys that are out outside of Kershaw, so they have an excuse. Um, I look at 
the Dodgers. I look at the Braves. I look at really anybody else, Miami, some of the other teams that would be in the playoff hunt right now. And I say to myself, I don't think you'd be trading potentially for just a playoff berth. I think you would be trading potentially for minimum a trip to the league championship series. And even then against a team that I think you can hang with. I guess it would depend on the starting pitcher you're getting, but I think here's an interesting place to take this conversation. The problem is what that say the Dodgers did is the Reds didn't spend it all on starting pitching in the offseason. You know, Luke Weaver was the only guy he got, and he has been a weakness in this rotation in 2023, particularly in June. The Reds, I think, have done a, a, about as good of a job as you could realistically expect in developing and getting starting pitching to the big leagues. You won't find many teams that could put a rotation of five first and second year guys on the field when fully healthy, like the Reds could with Green, Lodolo, Ashcraft, Abbott, and Williamson. They did that part right. What they're missing is like that generation ahead of them, the guys you go out and get in free agency and spend $10 million a year for. That's kind of the consistency, like a, a Charlie Morton type that the Braves have. The Reds just don't have that. And I think, you know, having those known commodities, even from a durability perspective, guys you know can go out and get you 30 starts a year, that's really, I think, what they're missing. That's what they'll have to find at the deadline. And it is a fun conversation what the ceiling of this red team can be. I do think, though, like, again, specifically when you look at who's available, reasonable for James Pack and a Jordan Montgomery, like that type of fourth, fifth starter with some veteran, veteran experience. Okay, um, listen, I, 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 you know, you, you're down there all the time. I was around it for 30 years. I've said today, I've said a thousand times on this program, uh, whether it's because of HIPAA, whether it's because they want to keep things close to the vest, I understand it all. But I made the comment at the time that when they told me Lodolo had something wrong with his calf, I said, no, I'm not believing this. And obviously, it is far more severe than that. He's barely putting weight on this leg now, and we've had a month and a half go by. Now, all of a sudden, Hunter Green is going for a second opinion on his hip. Now, there are a million reasons why people go get a second opinion. To you, is that a red flag? I So I know this. I've checked in on this recently. The Reds are still getting all the information. They just don't get Hunter doesn't know every second opinion is a bad sign, but it's all in the process of still getting information. Kind of how this works, and you know this as well as anyone, you get as much information as you can, and then you develop a course of action. And when I checked in on it over the weekend, the Reds were still in the information stage. Um, they want to make sure this doesn't happen again because it is the second time that hip injury or that hip stiffness is flared up for green and you know there's no timeline right now because again they're still waiting for the final results of that second opinion so again this has lingered on longer than you want this is the reality for the reds it's bad it's hurting their chances this season injuries can do that to a team for sure green was their ace this season who was pitching incredibly over the yeah. last month it's a killer to not have him and not have lodolo and not be ashcraft be who he is um, and again, part of it I go back to is like injuries are going to happen. Yep. You need more insurance specifically with veterans starting pitching and the Reds don't have that yet. And because trades so often don't happen with starting pitching until late July, they just don't have an avenue to get that, which kind of makes them again, you got who you got. Um, a couple of other things I want to ask you about. And it's probably too early to ask this question because it's not even been a full week yet. But Votto's gotten off to a nice start here. I mean, he had the two home runs on Friday night. He's seeing the ball well. He's drawing walks. 
Um, you know, he's always been about the team. I don't think there's any question about that. They pinch hit for him in yesterday's game, which I think a lot of people were very surprised by that. But he was on the top step of the dugout, cheering on Jonathan India, who batted for him, so on and so forth. Um, you know, does Vado, I mean, if he keeps playing the way he's playing, uh, and we know the limitations that the Reds have had as far as spending money are concerned. Um, do you think that it, at all he can force their hand into considering a $20 million option to pick up to play him next year? So I'm trying to do the math. The last time the Reds agency, which is equivalent, the equivalent of what 21 player for one specific year, you know, Moustakis, and Castellanos, those were $16 million a year. So that shows you Votto would have to hit very, very well. And ownership would have to have a change of heart of, you know, how aggressive they've been spending. They would need to, to make a leap, not a leap of faith, but a leap in investment in a way that they haven't done before. The answer is, I don't know. I don't have those answers on ownership's comfort in increasing payroll in that significant of a way. But just like I was talking about a minute ago, it cost them last offseason, how aggressive they're going to be this offseason when, you know, that Votto salary does come off the books, whether you keep Votto or not, you can debate that. And then when the Mike Moustakis salary comes off the book as well, books as well, they're going to have flexibility. It's time to use it. And kind of the, the big existential question that, to be honest, Nick Kroll doesn't even have the final answer to is how comfortable ownership's going to be willing to be doing that. Right. All right. Last thing I want to ask you about, totally shifting gears. Um, it seems like we were talking about this ad nauseum uh, for weeks, if not months at a time. Well, now all that time has passed and still no Joe Burrow contract uh, for the Bengals. I is there any reason at all for Bengal fans to be concerned about this at this particular point in time? And if the answer is no, is there a time when they should start to get concerned about this? We'll, we'll play the calendar game. So, like, even if it's next January and there's no deal done, I don't even think in that situation I would have any doubt that Joe Burrow spends the rest of his career with the Bengals. But now what makes things interesting is that there is a point where it impacts guys like T. Higgins and Logan Wilson. Because there's an amount of flexibility they need to keep Burrow, and there's also an amount of flexibility they need to keep T. Higgins and Logan Wilson, and that amount of flexibility they need for Burrow is obviously bigger than them. I do think if you get to a point where, you know, especially because contract extensions rarely happen in season, if the season starts, I'm not talking, it does probably decrease the odds that Higgins and Wilson stay with the bed deadline I'm looking at, even though, again, I don't think there's any concern about Burrow's future with the Bengals at all. Okay. All right. Charlie, uh, we can't thank you enough for your time as always, my friend. Uh, so, so you're not in Baltimore. So what are you doing here now uh, for this week? I'm, uh, I'll be watching the games on TV, and uh, I got some stories in the, uh, in the hopper that you'll see okay. over the next couple days. Okay. We'll look forward to those. Charlie, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. All right. Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com. Guys dialed in on everything, man. If you want to know what's happening in Cincinnati sports, that's your guy. That's your guy. He really is. Yeah. It's amazing how hard he works. I mean, he's dialed in with the Bengals. He's dialed in with the Reds. He's got all these different stories coming up. Be interested to see what those are all about. I think he said it's with the Bengals. Those stories are uh, coming up. But, um, all right, I want to go around the room on this thing. Because I'm telling you, and I've been saying it for two weeks, I'm not changing my mind on this thing. I'm not. Chris Welsh quoted his longtime partner, 
George Grant, and I've heard George Grant say this before as well. You don't pick the year that you're going to be a contender. The year picks you. The Reds now are in first place as we are closing in on July the 1st. I think we look at their players, their position players, and you're like, man, they got some players. Yeah. And it seems like if it's not one guy one night, then McLean all of a sudden yesterday goes off, right? Double, double, bomb. You know, Ellie a quiet day. Votto hit two home runs. Ellie hits for the cycle. Steer, he's moving around, changing positions. India, right on that. Friedel, Fraley, right on down the line. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We don't know, and all you have to do is look at the St. Louis Cardinals this year. And I'm going to continue to pound away on this in talking about you don't pick when you contend. The year picks you when you contend. The Cardinals were expected when the season began to basically, if not run away, to be right there with the Milwaukee Brewers for the best team in the National League Central. Everybody else was an afterthought, right? Mm -hmm. Cubbies, Pirates, Reds. Okay, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Fine. The Brewers have been a disappointment. Their starters, they thought it was going to be the strength of the team. It's not. Now, that doesn't mean it can't change. But we don't know what the Brewers might be thinking here. I mean, this was a team last year that at the trade deadline traded the guy who's been the best closer in the National League for the last three years in Josh Hader. Off he goes. And their owner will spend some money now, Antanasio. Um, I keep saying it. I think the Reds got a wheel and deal. They have got to get some pitchers in here. Because this whole thing, this feel-good story, potentially could blow up in the next 30 days. I'm not saying it's going to, but I'm saying you continue to run out there. And I failed to mention, by the way, Lively, the guy is a gamer. I give him all the credit in the world. He gives you everything he's got, right? Been a long journey for this guy. But now he's hurt. So Lodolo's out. Lively is now out. Green is now out. You brought back Ashcraft with all these high hopes, and I know it's only one start. I mean, completely lays an egg, right? I mean, you're going Williamson, Weaver. Granted, I'll give you Abbott, but Williamson, Weaver. I mean, is Levi Stout? I mean, you, you can't do this, right? This year in first place at the end of June, you cannot watch this thing melt down before your very eyes and not go get pitchers. Right? Or can you? I'm, I'm right there with you, Tom. I mean, this is middle point of the season. 78 games. I'm not vying for the Reds to, you know, mortgage the future. You don't get rid of, you know, Novell Marte or anything like that. But you have pieces that have value that aren't in the long-term future plans. Guys like Nick Senzel, a guy even like Jonathan India that we've rumored for a while, and then also some, some auxiliary prospects down there in the minors. If the season ended today... The Cincinnati Reds are in the postseason. Yep. And their first starter in game one is Andrew Abbott, who has four games under his belt. This is a season where the Reds are are not only competing to win the division, but I would say some would even say they're favored to win the division with the Brewers having the third worst offense in the league. If you look at OPS, they're like 28th in the league. Now they've got great starting pitching, but it's whatever. The Cubs... Love them to death. They are a comedy of errors at times, and they, they're playing great ball right now. Did you but say love them to death? I, I love them to death. Well, I know you do. Go <laughs> ahead. It's a comedy of errors almost every time I, I tune in to watch them play. So the Reds need to get 
a piece to help them, you know, get through this next month when their big arms, Hunter Green, Nicola Dolo, and Lively are going to be hurt. The plan was always to have this young talent be helped out with veteran pieces. So if that was the plan moving forward, you're already there and competing. Let's go get some veteran pieces to help this team win right now. Yeah, I agree. And it reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you remember the 2021 Reds, but it was, it's very similar. There was kind of like a magic to, to the team, but they were, they were missing one key component. That year was the bullpen. We had high leverage Heath Hembry blowing every game he could find. So now, right now, it's, it's the starting pitching. There's one element to this team that's missing, uh, and it's our starting pitching. I Listen, I've never been a fan of the prospect game, but I've been wrong. I've been proven wrong this year. However, at some point, you have to try to win now. The future is great. The future is great. You, stick, you stay the course. You stick to the plan. The future is great. But if, if there is a good chance to win a division, you win the division. We have Nick Senzel to trade. Nobody wants Nick Senzel. We have Kevin Newman to trade. We have Jake Fraley to trade. There are guys on this roster that can be traded, that are okay to be traded. You know, you don't have to, you, like, like, like Reed said, you don't have to trade away the future. There are pieces that have value here. I don't know what you'd get for them, but you have to try to get something for them. Well, you know, uh, uh, Nick Kirby, and we always appreciate his input here in the chat. He says, Fangraph's playoff odds updated today. Brewers, 48% chance. And look, nobody from the Central is going in as a wild card, so file it. Right. It's win the division or bust. Cubs are at 20 percent. Reds are at 18 percent. So Nick says need to keep that in perspective. Now, I would argue with Nick and say the reason that fan graphs puts those odds out there is based on statistical information that they have that they put. Right. Yeah. And the number one reason the Reds are third on that list is because of their starting rotation. If you look at the offense of the Reds, compared to the Brewers and the Cubs, the Reds would be at 90% compared to those two mm -hmm. teams. They really would. Sure. Right? Yep. Defense, eh, you know, not too good. But if you just looked at the offensive potential and what the bullpen has done so far, the only reason the Reds are at 18%, and Nick would agree with this, the only reason is because, as I said, there are only two teams in Major League Baseball whose starters have a worse earn run. The red starters are averaging. And think about this is damn near impossible. They are averaging six runs per nine innings allowed. That's every day. And that's not even allowing a hiccup for your guy, Ian Jabot, or any of the <laughs> other guys in the bullpen to have an off day. That means you got to score seven. To win. And somehow, some way, they're finding a way to win. That's the reason. Nick, you know I'm right on this one. I'm not right about much. That's the reason the Reds are at 18%. Right? Right. Paul, thoughts? Yeah, I keep going back. And, and Nick had a good discussion about this on Chatterbox Reds. I think it was yesterday. All the days are kind of running together. But they were talking about starting pitching and what you need to do to go out and get. And I, I keep coming back to what you were talking about when Nick Lodolo got hurt and all these injuries that keep lingering. And I think I fall farther – or I fall closer, rather, to what Elliot is saying where you have an opportunity here to go and potentially I, – I don't want to say – 
your your favorites to win the division, but you are certainly right there in the hunt where you don't have to mortgage the future to get a couple of serviceable guys. Like we're not going and looking for last year Justin Verlander here. You're looking for some dudes that can pitch because right now you have a bunch of starters that can't pitch. I'm sorry, you know to. Oh, who's our Who's our guy? I'm blanking on right now. What, Luke Dreamweaver. Uh, yeah, Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver. Yeah. The, like, Dreamweaver can't pitch. Okay, they but, win. Okay, they but, win, but he can't pitch. But to be fair to Dreamweaver, we don't lose on Luke Dreamweaver night. I mean, you don't. You'll give up five... 17 runs and two innings. But I'll tell you what, our offense knows when he's pitching. It's it's nut cutting time. You got to score 32 to outscore the opponent when Luke Dreamweaver's on the mound. And I agree with Paul. At, at some point, you have to you have to have a starting pitcher that can pitch. Like you don't have to go out and get three Cy Young caliber guys. No, right. It, it's, but you can go out and get three dudes that don't look like you picked them up off of the CABL train. Okay, hey, right hey, now the guy hey, that I hey. said last week that I'd go get, and, and people laugh at me for saying it. I I thought the Reds mishandled this dude when he was here. I'd go get Michael Lorenzen. Mm, yeah, I mean yeah. seriously. Some of you might get uptight about that. Think about it for a second. If you had to win a game tomorrow, you had to win a game tomorrow to get you into playoffs, right? Do you want Dreamweaver, <laughs> Brandon Williamson, Levi Stout, um, Graham Ashcraft, or Michael Lorenzo? Case closed. Guy's having a hell of a year for the Tigers. Is he perfect? No, he's not perfect. But he should have been a starter from day one with the Reds. And they, you know, look, they had needs down in the bullpen and that's where they moved him he wanted to be a starter he's a two-way player all that kind of good stuff but that guy is getting a chance to pitch and he's done well on a bad team it it, it doesn't we're all hitting the same points it doesn't have to you don't have to go and get Shane Bieber Shohei Otani Corbin Burns these names that are being thrown around as potential trade targets that are Cy Young caliber pitchers it's it's the names that we threw around a long time ago. The Lance Lins, the Patrick Corbins, the Michael Lorenzens, as you just said, that can get this team into the sixth inning and not have to score seven runs to win the ball game. That's right. The, the, the biggest anomaly of the Reds' winning streak was they came back every single game. That's not sustainable. It never will be. It never has been. You've got to have guys that can get you – into the bullpen that is very strong. The Reds' bullpen is very strong. They're getting tired, but it's a very strong bullpen. Get to the bullpen with the lead intact, not fighting from behind. And this Reds team, the the, the playoff odds, the algorithms that Fangraphs is, is shooting out, which, by the way, is only as good as the numbers you're putting into the That's algorithm. Right. Those shoot out of the roof if you can just get guys that can get to the sixth inning, not giving up six runs. You, you look at Lorenzen. Okay, and I, and again, I'm just picking him out of a hat because I, I I think that you know he's one of my favorite players the Reds have ever had, just as a human being. Um, last year he becomes a starter for the first time in his career. 18 starts with the Angels, terrible team, right? He goes eight and six, has an ERA at 4.2, gives you 100 innings, only gives up 81 hits, right? Opponents hit 224, WHIP 1.28. This year. On a terrible team. Two and five. Okay. 3.97 ERA. Michael Lorenzen. 3.97. He's already pitched 77 innings. He's on pace to give you 150 or more innings this year. He's allowed 70 hits. 
Opponents hitting 246, and his whip has come down from a year ago to 1.16. What's wrong with Michael Lorenzen? I don't think you anything. Think you got to give up everything to get Michael Lorenzen. That's what I'm saying. You you want a name that hasn't been thrown around at all? At least I haven't heard it thrown around. It's in the division, but I can't imagine that it would cost a whole lot. Rich Hill, 43 years old. He's nah. got a he's got a 4.3 ERA. <laughs> Tom, listen to me. Come on. He's pitching Come well, on. and it would cost nothing. You'd probably trade a single A player with with you know maybe a decent ceiling. And you just eat up his $8 million contract. The Pirates, he is no use to the Pirates going forward. The Pirates are out of it. They're done. So why not go get a guy that you know will get you to the sixth inning that will cost pretty much nothing? Cost you $8 million. Probably just eat up his contract. You give the Pirates money. Okay. All right. I mean, you know, look, I, 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 this whole thing is an open forum as far as I'm concerned. There are no bad ideas. The only bad idea, and I just can't believe how many people in the chat Continue to say, just stay the course, stay the course. What happens, and I've asked this question before, and I was starting to ask it with Reed when I threw it to him about the Cardinals here a minute ago. If the Reds go through the rest of the, rest of the season, let's just say they finish over 500, they win 85 games, whatever they do, okay? And they're two or three short from getting in the postseason. By all accounts, compared to what you thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year, now, let's everybody be honest about this scenario. We all agree 100% that if the Reds were to win that many games and finish in second in the division, 3-4 behind Milwaukee, pick a team, doesn't matter. The season has been an enormous success, especially considering what happened last year and what you thought might happen this year. But, but, as we sit here now on, you know, what is it, June the 26th, and... Your expectation level now of this team. I think it would be fair to say that as we sit here today, there would be a lot of disappointed Reds fans if this team does not get in the playoffs. Can we all agree on that? I would agree. As a Reds fan, where we sit today, I don't care about February and March and April and May. I'm saying today, almost July the 1st, you grew up here. You love the Reds. Would you be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs? Yes. Or try to make the playoffs? I, and that's the big one. I, I, I think you have to try. If you don't try to make the playoffs, then what are we doing here? I mean, I, 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 I don't know how else to say it. The future is great. You can bank on the future. But, but Tom's been saying it for a couple weeks now. You don't get to pick your window, man. You, you have to go if, if it's go time. Right now it's go time. They're in the lead of the division. We're halfway through the season. Tread water until the deadline. If, it's, if we go in the tank, don't do anything at the deadline. It was still a fun season. Hip, hip, hooray. But I'm just saying, if we're, if we're still in the, in the mix for the division at the deadline, you have to do something. You have to. The Orioles, the Orioles right now, last year at the deadline, they're, I think it's the same exact story. It a, is. A young team, a lot of fire. They could have made the playoffs last year if they tried. Deadline, sold everything. Now, it's kind of working for them because you can see what's happening right now with the Orioles or, or with, what's, what's happening with this season. However, I, I, I think if we're in the mix for it, you have to go for it. What, what, it's a slap in the face to the fan base if you don't try. Well, and the other thing, too, about last year was the AL East was not nearly right. as bad as the NL right. Central was. Like that Orioles team, yes, I, I put a sizable wager on the Orioles last year at the deadline to make the playoffs. 
and I was feeling pretty good about where they were about the, the middle of August, but then they didn't do anything. They didn't make a move. They didn't really do anything at the deadline. In fact, they they said, Mike Elias, the, the Orioles GM, came out and said, all right, it's go time, in the sense of they had been building and building and building all these prospects, and then he said, like, that week after the deadline or whatever, all right, it's go time, and then they just sort of tread water the rest of the way. They miss out on the postseason by a few games. Not much, but a few games. Yep. To the point where if they had really put their best put foot forward at the deadline, they probably could have made the postseason. Difference is they weren't winning that division because the AL East is, was exponentially better last year than the NL Central is this year. Yep. So when you try to do a parallel between these two teams, I think there is no better comparison in the last decade yep. maybe for this Reds team than what the Orioles were last year. The difference is this Reds team, if they go to the deadline, just treading water where they are right now, they could win this division. And like Tracy Jones says, I don't think it's a stretch to say they win this division by a handful of games. I've been saying it here for weeks. It's just they've gotten on this run, not weeks, last week and a half. I've been saying it all along. I just look at the talent. I look at who they have. You look at the opponents, as you point out, Paul, who you're competing directly against inside the division. I know the schedule is a little bit different. But this team has, after they get back from um, Baltimore, San Diego comes into town, right? Yep. And they play a three-game series. The last series before the All-Star break and the first series after the All-Star break is against the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, you tell me, why wait till the trade deadline to make a move? Why not go toe-to-toe with the Brewers? And you want to talk about putting a team really on their heels. If the Brewers were to come rolling in here two back, two and a half back, and all of a sudden, bam, Hunter Green's back, Abbott's pitching the way he's pitching, you make a deal, you run those three guys out there pre-All-Star break, you can run the same three guys out there first series post All-Star break and never see Williamson and 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 Lively or you know Weaver. You don't see any of them. Now all of a sudden you have a chance to put them five and a half, six and a half, seven back. And now we're rocking and rolling, rolling into August, right? Right. Fire me up, Tom. Let's go. Fire me up. I just think, you know, I, and and Nobody knows, right? Tomorrow has its own troubles. Getting biblical here for a minute, right? So don't worry about tomorrow. You don't want to be the Cardinals next year. Where you're picked by everybody and his brother. You stayed the course. We're not going to try to win now. We're going to trust the process. Your generation's term. Trust the process. (laughs) The liberal elites. Trust the process. Trust the DOJ. Trust the FBI. Um, so, um, you got to throw it in there. Um, trust them, though. Trust them. No, they're all doing right. Okay, so, everybody and his brother, if, when, not if, when Hunter Green is back healthy, when Nick Lodolo is back healthy, and I'm, I'm looking forward now to 2024. Those two guys are healthy. You'll have Abbott for a full year in ro- your rotation, okay? You, and then you've got all these incredible position players. And without a doubt, Lovato's money freeing up. Moustakis' money coming off the books. 
you know, Casale's money, he's making decent money. He's coming off there. Some other guys in there. Ken Griffey Jr., I think, still getting paid till the end of this year. All of a sudden, those guys come off the books. The Reds could go out and buy a decent four starter, right? Or maybe even better than that. But then what happens if you're the Cardinals next year from this year? All the high hopes. All everybody and his brother picking you to be a division winner. And for whatever reason or reasons, stuff just falls apart. Your defense goes bad. Guys in the bullpen who were good one year can't get anybody out. A couple guys get hurt. A couple guys don't play as well as you were counting on them playing for whatever reason. And that's going to happen. All of those things are going to happen. That's a built-in, I mean, it's like flour if you're making a cake, right? That's, those things are going to happen. Dude, you got to go for it. You got to go, you now gotta go for it. You got to go now, too. The, the, the starting pitching has never been worse. It's never been as depleted as it is right now. You can't tread water for a month and then see where you're at in, at the end of July because there's 30 games until then. You got to go, and you got to go now. Anybody want to add to this? I'm checking something here real quick. Well, the other thing about where the Reds are right now when you talk about you got to go now is baseball is the one sport where you really, if you just get into the postseason, you have a chance. Generally, for the most part, the best football team wins. The best basketball team right. almost always wins. Hockey, yeah, the puck might bounce the way here and there. But for the most part, the best hockey team will, will generally win. What was it? Oh, sorry, finish your point. No, no, no. You, you get – you get in a baseball season, you know, look, look at my Nationals back in 2019, the wild card game. They were a few outs away from not even playing in the divisional round. Juan Soto gets a hit. They go on to win the World Series. Now, they had an elite starting rotation. Yes, they, they did. Anibal Sanchez, Max Scherzer, and a World Series MVP, and Steven Strasburg that gave his right arm for that World Series title. They had a, a, a veteran lineup, so it's not comparable as far as the on-field talent, but I'm just saying – in baseball, you get in, you just get in. And Trace talked about this last week on, on Chatterbox Reds. I couldn't agree with him more. You just get in, and you give yourself a chance. That's all that matters. And if you get in with this lineup that can score a lot of runs, yep. you know, there's different schools of thought when you get into the postseason on what's more important, a better lineup or a better rotation. And, you know, as the game has evolved the last decade or so, I, you know, that – thought has evolved too because when you get into the postseason it almost becomes a different sport no because doubt. you start using a starter in a in a relief situation no and, and doubt. things and thing different things happen in the regular season but that's where i'm saying you just get in in baseball you give yourself a chance so it's hard to say i'm not going to sit here and be naive and say that the reds need to throw all their chips on the table and try and win the world no. series but there are things you can do here that just make your your starting staff mediocre and not bad. All right, I tell you what I want to do. We, we, we have uh, Rich Dubroff coming up from uh, BaltimoreBaseball.com here in a matter of minutes. Just to, to double-check something for you real quick, just to give you an idea. The team for the Reds that lost over 100 games last year. Their starters' earn run average was a full run lower than the team right now. Wow. 2022, 
Reds, for the second time in the history of the franchise, lose over 100. Their starter's ERA was 4.97. There was no Castillo. There was no Sonny Gray, right? None of that stuff, Mm -hmm. right? 4.97 for the year. The only two teams worse last year, the Nationals and the Rockies. Barely better last year. Kansas City, stinks. Oakland, stinks. Texas, stunk. Pittsburgh, stunk. Detroit, stunk. Boston, stunk. Surprisingly, Baltimore uh, was at 21st at 4.35. So I'm just saying, you know, look. I mean, if somebody were to tell you that your, your starters earn run average is a run higher this year than it was last year, and you're going to go to the post with that and just say sit tight with now the position players you have on this team, no chance. Jacob's in the chat. He wants to know if he's the only voice of reason here. Stay the course. Nick Kirby is saying Lorenzen only has half a year of control. That means the remainder of this year, right? Where Tyler Malley, when the Reds traded him, had a year and a half of control. And Nick says, I think that the Tigers um, are going to be asking a lot from Michael Lorenzen. Maybe they will. I don't know. All right. Uh, BaltimoreBaseball.com. We're having a fascinating conversation here, Rich Dubroff. We're talking about, you know, comparing the Reds and the Orioles. Uh, One-year difference. Uh, I don't know how closely you follow the Reds. You know everything about the Orioles. And we'll get to their current team in a minute. But I want to walk, Rich, if you wouldn't mind. Thanks for being with us this morning. I want you to walk walk us through... Sort of the evolution of what's happened here with the Orioles because the Reds a year later are so eerily similar in many, many ways. Uh, well, really is uh, true because I, I I thought you were going to talk about that, Tom. And not only are the Reds and the Orioles similar, but the, the cities, the sports cities of uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati are uh, really, uh, really parallel right now, too. Uh, you know, the, the Orioles were uh, a year ago just starting to get hot at this time. And their season was basically made by a 10 game winning streak. And here the Reds have that 12, you know, have a 12 game winning streak. And it's ball to them all of a sudden into the, the national conversation. The, the, the big difference is that, you know, the AL East is a lot tougher than the, yeah. than the NL Central. But, 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 okay, so when the 10-game winning streak starts last year, and there's no doubt, we were talking about that before you came on. I mean, it's one thing to compete with Milwaukee and Chicago and Pittsburgh and St. Louis, opposed to the Rays and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the, you know, I mean, it's, it's a whole, it's a different world. But, um, and Toronto, I left them out. Uh, how can you leave them out? Um, but, 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 but I'm sure a lot of people this time, and maybe you were one of them, that was saying to Mike Elias, the general manager, hey, you're all of a sudden in the hunt. What are you going to do? Did, 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 did he all of a sudden get fielded with these questions and he just kind of said, no, we're just going to play this out, trust the process? What did he do this time a year ago? Well, what he, what he did was he said, you know, he, he said the Orioles were going to you know, consider, do it, consider doing everything. And they ended up being sellers at the deadline, but it ended up, turning out really well for them because they sold they they traded Jorge Lopez who was their all their all-star closer 
and they promoted Felix Batista, uh, who was their setup man, to their closer, and he became, you know, he became even an even better closer right. than Lopez. And in that trade, they acquired Yenier Cano, who's turned out to be a, a terrific setup man this year, and he was terrible in in a few appearances for the Orioles late last year. So it turned out to be. You know, it turned out to be a really, really good move. And they traded Trey Mancini, and and Mancini has has really struggled, really struggled with the Astros, and has had a a difficult year with the Cubs this year. So uh, it seems like almost everything Elias has done has turned out to has turned out to to uh, uh, be a positive for them, even though you know, even though on in the short term. You know, he he was still kind of uh, unsure that the Orioles were, you know, had enough to, uh, uh, you know, had enough to, to be in the postseason conversation. And they ended up being, you know, a few games, a few games short. I mean, they were really hot in, in, until about Labor Day and then uh, and then cooled off. So it's just interesting because I've been I've been watching what the Reds are doing. And of course, with Dela Cruz, he's this year's Adley Rutschman. Mm-hmm. You know, for the Orioles, as soon as Rutschman came up, or or right after Rutschman came up, the Orioles started playing great. And now the Reds have brought up Dela Cruz, and they're on a tear. Well, you know, but 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 now you get into the whole thing, and I'm curious if Elias is, or at least what's the the thinking there now in Baltimore that okay, now you are where you are. I, I read your one of your pieces over the weekend where I think you said that the Baltimore Orioles' chances of making the playoffs are up to 68 69%, something along those lines, right? Okay, but it, 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 now in Baltimore, I got to believe you're thinking, okay, I look around. You know, the Rays are really good. The Astros are not the Astros. Nobody in the Central Division scares anybody, right? So all of a sudden, nope. you're the Orioles, and you're looking around, and you're going, okay, man, you know, if there's ever a time perhaps to, you know, we got good young players still coming up. We got some guys we're really high on. Um, but boy, if we could get that one more, kind of like the Reds are in now, we get that one more starting pitcher, right? A, a, a guy who's really good. Now all of a sudden you got a chance to get to the World Series. Is that pressure starting to mount at all in Baltimore? No, well, I think, Tom, I think that, People are saying, oh, well, you know, they got to get that other starting pitcher. But, you know, the starters have been pretty good. The starters have been pretty good. What they need, I think, are two more, um, you know, middle inning relief pitchers because they have Cano, they have Batista, but their middle inning relief lately has been uh, a little shaky. So if they can get those, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Elias gets another starting pitcher, although I don't think, you know, I, I don't think they're going to get, you know, be able to get, uh, you know, a top, if, if the Mets decided that, oh, let's, let's reset and, and uh, make Scherzer and Verlander available. I don't think that they would, I don't think that they would do it. Uh, certainly if the Cardinals aren't, uh, aren't in the race, you know, somebody like Jack Flaherty seems to make, uh, make a lot of sense, but, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've been watching Elias every day for years, and I still don't know. Uh, I'm still not very good at uh, at guessing uh, what he's going to do. All right, walk me through some of the matchups this weekend. I know that Cole Irvin has not pitched a lot 
at the big league level this year. Tell us a little bit about him. Well, he had a he had a really good year statistically for Oakland, and the Orioles acquired him. And I thought it was a, a terrific. Tra- I thought it was a terrific trade. They traded uh, a prospect named Daryl Hernandez, who is a, an infielder who was behind many many other um, good infielders uh, for him. And I thought, oh, this is terrific. But then he had. Then Cole Irvin had three really difficult starts, and they sent him right down. And that showed me that Elias was really in it to win it because in previous years, they would have sort of stayed the course with him or stayed with him for more than three starts. Uh, you know, he's come back, and he's had, you know, a couple – he's had a couple of good starts. Uh, but, you know, I think that he may be – you know, he, his spot may be in danger because – Grayson Rodriguez, their top pitching prospect, is pitching well at AAA, who had been up earlier this year. And uh, Rodriguez may be, uh, you know, maybe coming, maybe coming back at some point. Uh, and Irvin has been, you know, Ir- Irvin has been uh, a very difficult, um, a very difficult, uh, uh, you know, guy to read this year. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, very, very, uh, very, very strange. Uh, because, you know, they, they obviously thought he was going to be a lot better than he was. The best pitching matchup of the series is clearly tomorrow night. You got Andrew Abbott, young pitcher for the Reds, who's had four outstanding starts with the big leagues. You got Tyler Wells, this mountain of a man, whether he's 6'8", 6'9", something like 260, 200. He looks like he ought to be playing for the Ravens. Uh, this guy's had a really nice year. Uh, he's won six times. He started 14 games, ERA in the low twos. Uh, tomorrow night looks like it could be the best matchup of the series. You agree? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I don't know a lot of, about Andrew Abbott. This yeah. is my first look, uh, my first look at him, but, uh, Wells has been very, very, uh, very, very strong. He's, uh, you know, he was a, he was a relief, he was a reliever a couple of years ago, and then they made him a start, a starter last year. He pitched well, then got hurt and he's been, uh, he's been their most consistent, uh, their most consistent starter, his uh, his undoing has been the home run ball, and most of them have been uh, most of them have been solo shots. But other than uh, you know, other than that, he's uh, he's pitched you know he's pitched really well. And uh, you know, is he a number one starter? I'm not sure. I don't know how many true number one starters there really are. Right, are in the big leagues right now, Tom. So he's. Uh, you know, he, he's the best the Orioles have right now. Yeah, and Abbott's the best the Reds have right now without Hunter Green or Lodolo hanging around. You know, the, the, the guy we, you know, a, a guy like Gibson who will pitch tomorrow night. Now, the Orioles bring him in. He was a solid pitcher for a long time. Didn't get a lot of pub. Solid guy with Minnesota. Goes to Texas, goes to Philly. Did well, you know, did okay in Philly. Baltimore brings him in. I mean, this guy's been a godsend for this team so far this year. Yeah, he is. He's been terrific. You know, a lot of fans were upset when the Orioles didn't re-sign Jordan Lyles, who sort of had that same role last year. And then they signed, and then they signed Gibson. But Gibson has been terrific. And Jordan Lyles uh, recently uh, won his first game of the season. He was uh, 0-11 before that for the Royals. So uh, Gibson is a really solid guy, and he's a good he's a good clubhouse guy. The Orioles yep. have done a good job at adding a uh, good, you know, a couple of really good veterans, uh, Adam Frazier, uh, uh, James McCann, uh, 
Well, the kid to, from the uh, Yankees has just gone off the reservation. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. No, no one saw that coming. I thought when Cedric Mullins got hurt and they brought in Aaron Hicks, well, I thought that, you know, what do they do? What are they doing here? Because they had two left hand, they had two excellent left hand hitting uh, prospects at uh, AAA Norfolk, but both of them were on the uh, were on the injured list. So they signed Hicks. Hicks has done Hicks has done really well, resurrected his career, and forced them to keep him. And he gets to you know he, he gets to keep playing as a result. You know as a result, uh, he may not play as you know he may not play as often as he did when uh, Mullins, when Mullins was hurt. But he's been uh, he's been a great ad. Um, I can't thank you enough for your time today, Rich. One last thing I wanted to ask you because you brought it up. Uh, the similarities between the two towns in many ways from a sports standpoint. You know, sure. I think it's safe to say for a long time, you know, the Reds in Cincinnati, the Orioles in, in, in Baltimore, they, they were it, right? And, and you had, you know, the, the Colts left a long time ago. Then the Ravens come rolling in. Now all of a sudden the Ravens have kind of taken over the town. I think it's safe to say, just like the Bengals have taken over the town sure. for a multitude of reasons here in Cincinnati. Um, the, the, you know, this weekend here in Cincinnati, the Braves come into town and it's 45,000 for three straight days, right? I mean, they're packing the place and, and they're going crazy and it's exciting baseball and these young players. Is, is that a vibe starting to kick in a little bit in Baltimore? Because I know that fans like here uh, had gone a little south on ownership. Are they trying to win? You know the story, all those kinds of things. Yeah, it was, it's very, you know, it's very similar. Uh, you know, uh, but I think that, you know, fans saw as bad as the Reds have been, the Orioles were, you know, the Orioles were worse. The Orioles had three 108 or more lost seasons in the, you know, in the previous four years, you know, other than the, you know, the pandemic, other than the pandemic year. And a lot of people thought that last year they were heading for, for that. And I think sometimes fans are, are slow to get in on the, uh, on the bandwagon. They're slow to realize when teams are, you know, are going south, and they're also slow to realize when teams are, uh, when team when teams are, are starting to get good. Uh, but you know, attendance has been picking has been pick picking up this year. Uh, Monday through Thursday nights have been uh, a harder uh, a harder yeah. sell, but on the weekends they've uh, you know they're starting to, they're starting to do well. But it's a team that looks like it's going to be a really good team for the next five or six years, I think. All right, before I let you get out of here, uh, you may remember, you may not remember, our good friend Paul Fritchner, who's one of the co-hosts of this show. Yes, and the former I, voice of yes, He was yes. telling some story today about you eating some frozen dinner uh, at the ballpark <laughs> in Bowie. Is it Bowie or Bowie? Bowie. Bowie. It's in Bowie. Bowie that I'm on my way there tomorrow. I got to go to Annapolis tomorrow. Um, the um, but But I hear this story, and he's like, Every time I've ever seen Rich Sensen, he brings up eating that microwave frozen dinner at the ballpark in Bowie. It's called Mighty Meal. It was they were called Mighty Meals, and they were not mighty. <laughs> <laughs> they were terrible. They were terrible. Rich, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming on the show. Hope everything's going well. Everything's great. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Paul. And uh, I hope and, and Tom. I hope your dad's doing. Uh, I hope your dad's doing well. I miss here. I miss hearing him. 
Well, he, I'm going to meet him in Annapolis tomorrow. I have a niece. He has a granddaughter that's uh, uh, going into the Naval Academy. So uh, the entire Brenneman clan yeah. is on our way to uh, Annapolis, Maryland tomorrow. Well, good for you. Good. Good for them, and maybe you'll stop up at the ball, stop up uh, ballpark, and see the Reds and the Orioles while you're there. Uh, I think it's off the reservation, but it'd be nice to okay. see you. And we can't <laughs> thank you enough, Rich, for your time. BaltimoreBaseball.com, right? That's the spot. I mean, your stuff is awesome. Well, thank you, t- thank you, Tom. It's always uh, always good talking to you. Okay, buddy, Rich Dubroff, kind enough to join us from um, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now there's a guy. I mean, you even said yourself. I mean, he he's all over the Orioles, right? Yeah. All the time. It has been for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Good guy. Really good guy. I remember seeing him in the press box and Camden Yards and all that. What do you, does he ever drift over at all to the Nationals ballpark? I don't think there's much reciprocity there. I don't think so. I think he's, I don't know why I feel like I had seen Maybe he came over for a, a big series. Yeah, I don't think so. Through the, okay, maybe I'm there. Right. There are some media members that will, like, freelance out to help, you know, here and there, you know, with Masson and stuff like that. But he does his, his stuff on Baltimore baseball. And, yeah. Um, no, he's 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 an all an Orioles guy. Yeah, yeah, yep. Okay, Ham and Eggers. Um, when we come back, I want to talk a little about. Uh, uh, I want to shift gears. We ran that video of the New York Mets, the fans with the Mets. All right, we're gonna get Steve Serby on one day next week. But now, can you imagine walking in their shoes? Three hundred and seventy-six million dollar payroll. And you have three quality pitchers in your bullpen. And everybody else are guys you didn't even figure were going to be in the big leagues. And now they are. And you're running them out there with a three-run lead in Philadelphia in the bottom of the eighth inning. So we're going to branch off into some other topics around baseball. And how about the Rockies? Over the weekend. What a we'll series. more about this. <laughs> Ham and Eggers, take it away. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Not to uh, throw it back to you, Reed, but did you have something you were, you were going to bring up before in the last Ham and Eggers segment that we didn't get to? No. There was a thing I was going to talk to you about when you were, oh. were talking about the NL Central and, and how the Reds can win it, and all you have to do is get in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Back in 2006, the St. Louis Cardinals won the National League Central going 83-79. and 79. They won the division, and then they won the World Series. So, yeah, you just got to get in. You just got to get in. It gives you a ticket to a chance. It's, it's, like, it's like you're split the pot. You got to be in it to win it. <laughs> yeah. That's all they got to do. And unlike the lottery, with the split the pot, you know somebody's going to win it. Somebody's going to win it. How did you do? It wasn't me. Mm. I, well, I bought – they have a great deal down at Great American Ballpark. It's $20 for 30 tickets. Um, the numbers, I think, range from $1 to $1 trillion. I, unfortunately, was in, the, like, the, the, the middle of that. And then the number that won wasn't even close. Mm. So, I, I mean, I, it wasn't, I couldn't be further away. I went and bought Split the Pot tickets. My ticket – like, it's almost like, did they sell me a faulty ticket? Because I was that far away. <laughs> I was just that far away. It's a scam. Away. Well, so here's, scam? here's the well, thing there's about a chance. There's a chance it is a scam. Here's the thing about the 50-50. Say you buy like uh, 20, you buy 30 tickets. Each ticket is printed with the last digits yeah. being, you know, zero to what, however many tickets you bought. That's why there's so many digits on it. But the first digit, they also started, you know, with like one, seven, eight, and nine. 
I'm just happy when I get the first number right. Yeah. You know, like when you pop up on the screen, because yeah. you know that your tickets are one followed by like nine more numbers. And if you get the first digit right, you're going, all right, at least I know I can check the rest of my ticket. I don't think I've even got the first digit right this year. I've never gotten – I've never, ever, ever gotten the first digit right. I've never been close. So I know – Not even remotely. I know it's not – I know it's not a scam. Do. Because one of my very good friends won it and paid for Doesn't their, mean it's not a scam. I mean – One for their – oh. A, po- a Ponzi scheme, people still get paid. Well, true. I'm just paid, saying. Paid for college with it, though. Maybe the odds are just higher. You know what is a scam about it, though? What is? Casey, Reed, Elliot, they're only doing it once a homestand. So, yeah. like, the next homestand when there's only one, there's just three games? Yeah, I mean, it's not like they used to do it every game, is my point. Now yeah, they, they had to it. stop because the crowds were too oh, small. Oh, I know. I know why. Which, still, a, still a sham. Which makes me think, what's the next thing to be eliminated? When's Bark in the Park eliminated? How soon is Bark in the Park eliminated? What's the other one they do? Um, uh, three, two, one night. When's three, two, one three, night? Three, two, one night will get axed before Bark in the Park night. Yeah, I think so. It will get axed before Bark in the Park. Because you'll still, no matter how good the Reds are, there will still be like a Tuesday night in July against some, you know, like the Giants or somebody. Well, the thing about Bark in the Park night is it is it makes money. Like a dog ticket. Yep. You have to buy a dog a ticket. Oh, you it, do? It's like 30 bucks. Yeah, it's brutal. What? You yeah, buy your take dog you a and a dog, it take, costs $50. Yeah, Bobby. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Bobby C. He's not messing around with those dogs, man. I. He, That's why that won't go away. Yeah. I, boy, you I, buy I, the dog a ticket? Well, yeah. That's crazy. Paid That's ridiculous. Where's the dog going to sit, Paul? True. Where are they going to go? Where Where are you going to go? By the, way, if we, by the way, we're at 46 likes. I'd really like you to get to 100 likes, guys. I really like it. Reed Why do you said, think I don't Reed, like you? Reed said, well, Reed doesn't like me. Time I, out, time out, time Reed, out. You every, called it the Hamilton River. It is. That's what it is. It's the Hamilton River. You called it the Hamilton River. I was going to call it the Hamilton Lake. I don't know what kind of body of water it is. Well, I mean, it, it, what it, it's more like a. You didn't know what it was It's called. a creek. It's you a did, Hamilton you, creek. You did not know the name of the river. I still don't. I still don't. <laughs> and I'll go this whole, I'll go this whole, my whole time here at Chatterbox, and I'll never know that name. It's the Hamilton River. The Cincinnati River. Tom, do you know the name of the Hamilton River? You just said it was the Hamilton River. Yeah, it's the Hamilton River. Tom gets it. The river here in Miami. Dang right, Tom. Hamilton River. Great Miami. Elliot called it the Hamilton River. Which you and I are supposed to be swimming across sometime this summer. Let's do it. I've been building up. I've been going, I'm up to like 70 laps now. We just need one. I've been getting back out a little bit. <laughs> Let's get in it. I'm we ready. Wait. It's, like, it's only like a foot deep right now, but we'll get well, there. Well, see, that's what I asked you last year. You told me there were spots where it was deep. Well, we I was out canoeing last weekend on the Little Miami, mm-hmm. and because of the lack of rain we've had, but we had just gotten some last week, mm-hmm. so at least you could get a, uh, a kayak down there. But you, you wouldn't be able to swim across it. Too shallow. Yeah. But you told me the great Miami well, yeah. right here in Hamilton <laughs> – has some bulk to it, some it depth to it. In between the dams. Unlike the conversation in this chat, some depth to it. Hamilton Swamp, Hamilton Creek. Why, why, would, why would people be taking shots at your hometown? I don't, I don't know. know. It gets a bad rap, Tom. I don't know. Why do they, Reed? We drive here every day. The people are so friendly. Uh, even those that are down on their luck walking around the streets. Mm-hmm. I see them down here when I get a cup of coffee at the gas station mm-hmm. every morning. Right? Mm-hmm. They're all very nice. Very nice. 
That's how it's it's the the Hamilton hospitality. It's what we're known for. Yeah. It, Reed, I got a question for you. Sling it what, my way. What is the nickname of Hamilton? There's two. Um, the official nickname. So it used to be called Hamilton with an exclamation point to attract tourism. Oh. That was the the official name. They That's got rid creative. of the exclamation point. We're now Hamilton again. The nickname became the City of Sculpture. We have sculptures all around. If you go to Pyramid Hill, it's literally a park full of sculptures. There you go. And then the nickname that I like to call it is Little Chicago because during Little Chicago, see, during the Great Depression, during the Roaring Twenties, Al Capone, these gangsters would have houses here in Hamilton when they'd get out of town in Chicago. So it got the name Little Chicago because of the mob ties. Little Chicago. So Reed's a mafia man. Reed does like the mafia. That's confirmed. Organized crime. I mean, is, is, is Reed doing the chat rankings this week? Because all of a sudden, normally he gets killed by these guys. And they are building him up. Big time. Yeah, who is Everett saying, let's go, Reed. Let's go. I, I have a love-hate relationship with the chat. I tease them about the Reds, but I think they know it's all out of love. I'm wearing red, I'm wearing red today. I did that on purpose. Wanted to show a little bit of support for the whole A lot of people, team. though, continue to ask you about your shorts. And, you know, I, <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you why I bring this up. Because this is, yeah. this is actually, you, you'll be able to lend some, some. So, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, I haven't bought clothes in a while. But um, I went out and bought, and not even paying attention to it, bought some shorts a couple years ago. Right? Khaki shorts, just you know, in case you went somewhere decent. Yeah. Right? In, in a, on a summer night. Somebody's house. Or, yeah. You know. An event where you could wear shorts, concert, whatever. Um, so I buy these nine-inch shorts. Okay. Okay. Now, I had no idea that, you know, shorts now are coming in all these different lengths. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So the other, you know, so the other day I'm wearing them, and my wife and my daughter look at me and are like, Dad, you, I mean, you got to be kidding. They're like, you know, you're relatively fit, especially for a guy your age. They're like, you know. Why would you walk around with these nine and they're down by your knees and they're baggy and all they're, they're like, you look like, you know, you're, you're old and out of shape. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. they said, you're not, you are old, but not necessarily out of shape, not in good shape, but not out of shape. And so I said, all right, I'm going to make it my mission. I haven't gone to buy any clothes and I don't know how. Long. So last week I, I pop into Kenwood mall and I go to J crew. It's good. good store. Nice store. Okay. I've been in there in years. Although I, I used to say all the time. And I still stand by this. They make the best T-shirts of any company in the world. Like they're like like just regular T-shirts, like 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 Elliot has them. I agree. They I make the best T-shirts in the country. They last forever. They look good. You can get them with a pocket. You can get them in a V-neck. You can get them in a crew neck. They're just well made. They're really well done. So I walk in, and this woman, roughly a little younger than me, she must be the manager of the store or something, and. I said, hey, listen, I said, you, you know, do you have shorts that are like not nine inch shorts? She looks at me like, are you kidding me? We, we don't even have nine inch shorts here. <laughs> I'm like, well, what does that mean? She says, well, you know, most guys, it's five or seven. Or seven. I'm like, really? She says, yeah. I said, okay. Well, I said, well, I'm not going five. Okay, too old for that. But like the seven now, I'm like, hey, here we go. This is good. But you, I think, are getting beat up on a regular basis for going with fives. I, Tom, I've got big legs. I, I, I do. And the sevens, these are seven-inch inseams. These are J. Crew shorts. Okay. And they're, they're just, they just ride up a little high when I sit down because I got bigger legs. 
So that's that's all. That's the whole thing. Because I mean, you get killed in here. <laughs> I'm gonna start wearing shorter shorts. I'll do it if it. Oh God, reading <laughs> fives would be like a sensor warning. We'd have to put like a, a blur. Not safe for work. As Paul pulls down his yeah, shorts because he knows he knows they're riding high up yeah. a little bit. You know, it's funny you mentioned J Crew. There's a J Crew uh, outlet in the Monroe outlets, right, not too far from here. And I own which I hear hit or miss on that outlet. Yeah, it is. It is hit or right. miss. But uh, we go up there sometimes, me and my wife. My wife shops a lot. And I own a lot of J. Crew stuff because every time we walk by this J. Crew outlet, she sees on the door, Reed, we got to go in here. It's 50% off. Right. So we go in there, we shop by the stuff. Well, we come back two weeks later, Reed, it's 50% off again. Naturally. A month later, oh my God, it's 50%. I was like, hey, Mariana. You ever think that it's, 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 there's never a sale here? They just got it on the doors that it's 50% off and they mark it up twice as high? Doesn't just flies off her brain. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't get that. Hey, I don't care if you come every day of the week. 50 to 60 to 70% off is 50 to 60 to 70% <laughs> off, right? Gives you a reason to go do it. Why not? Casey, are you a, are you a seven inch sh- shorts guy? Or are you a nine guy? Because you're uh, not five. I'm definitely not five. I'm probably a seven. Okay, Paul. I think I go seven too, because the thing is, I'm tall. Yeah, well, so that's why I, I was wondering. I, I thought... got issues. Yeah, I got issues on the height thing. Cause I also got issues on the width thing, where like I get is- the skinny, skinny tall frame is is tough to find clothes for. Because you're in between the medium and the large, and then you don't want to do this medium thing. You can't do the small. That's too. That's too small. You get issues. I think I go seven on, on that, though, on the shorts. Elliot, you're probably a five guy, right? No. No, I wear the longest shorts possible. I, you know, I, I don't want to put people who have to look at me in, in a bad position. I, I like to make everybody feel comfortable. I'm uncomfortable looking over here. So, you know, I, I, you know treat others like you treat yourself. So that's, that's what I do. Seven, who, in, who, seven inches. Who does, because you guys would answer this question. Certainly it's nobody my age, so I wouldn't know the answer. Who buys five-inch shorts? Mm. Seriously. Yeah, I don't know. People, guys, I, and, guys the and frats. They, they, they must frat, be selling them or they fraternity. wouldn't have them in there. I mean, they had guys and dozens and dozens of them. The people, people in that, fraternities. What? People in fraternities. Oh, that's BS. The people that buy five-inch five shorts are what we all do to shtick for Reed, and they actually do it. That's who buys the five-inch shorts. Everybody in the chat that makes fun of Reed for the short shorts, the net cutters, that's what actually happens to people that go and buy five-inch shorts. Well, we know those people exist. We're just wondering, like, who they actually are. Because we know they exist. But are they fraternity members? Because I, I, be, I would be agreeing with Reed. They're the high nooners maybe. over at, uh, at, Miami. at Miami. Well, it also kind <laughs> well, of you might be onto something there. It also kind of depends on the uh, the style, too. Because, like, a five-inch on athletic shorts isn't bad. No, 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 no. I'm just talking well, about you're talking, If you're talking about, like, a dress khaki. Somewhere yeah. decent, right? Yeah. I don't know how, anybody who would wear, though, five-inch to go somewhere decent. Unless you're going to see, like, uh, you know, some of these guys you guys listen to. I, I, you know, if, whoever they are. If you go up to Brick Street in Miami, in Oxford, you're going to see some five-inch shorts, Tom. It's, it's, it's and I just said, I'm not surprised. Miami, it's a whole different world up there. I, I, bet, you, I bet you Luke has some five-inch shorts. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he doesn't. Maybe he does. I don't think so. Did Maybe Luke go to the game on Friday? He did. I saw it. Was he wearing an IU shirt? 
I don't know. I had to go out of town early in the day before he left for the Paul Bark to go to a funeral in Columbus. So I don't know what he wore. I was I was working that event in downtown uh, Cincinnati, and after the the Reds game was over, I saw a group of guys, and I saw someone who looked like well, Luke. Well, then that would be him because he went with a group of guys. Wearing an IU shirt, and it looked like Luke, and I, I, I yelled. I was like, Brady! I had no idea who I was, but I, I waved and said, go Hoosiers. There we so, go. Nice. Saw Luke. Nice. Uh, Everett says you'll see the same damn thing in Athens. Everett, no chance. No chance. No, 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 no. Jolly, jolly, kind enough to send us over lunch last week, right? Yeah. Friday. Yeah. Right? Um, says, come out to L.A., and you'll find plenty of people walking so, around in five-inch shorts. So is he implying that the elitist wear five-inch seams? That's, that you? seems to be the, seems, yeah. Seems to be. The implication. Paul? I, I'm too tall. I'm too tall. I've tried the five-inch thing. I'm too tall. So are you saying that actually seven-inch seams are more like five-inch seams on you? And you already admitted to wearing seven-inch seam shorts, so. Many would say that that's a suitable size. Many would say that that's a perfectly right amount. What's that? A seven-inch. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's about right. It's about, I mean, you know, hey, maybe for some guys. I don't know. Maybe for some guys. Um... Oh, God, that brings to mind one of the <laughs> broadcasting moment in my career, which I've never heard. I, I, I've never heard. We, 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 had, we were doing the Giants and the Dodgers on a Fox Saturday game of the week. And there was this player, you guys may remember the guy, really fast, um, athletic player, dude named Roger Cedeno. Yeah. And he's playing for the Dodgers. So, you know, big rivalry game back at Candlestick Park. That's how far back this goes. And Bob Brindley and I, Bob Brindley might be the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. Quick, funny. I mean, smart, funny. And we're working with the most legendary producer in the history of sports television, a guy named Michael Weissman, who was running NBC Sports when he was 28 years old, doing all the Olympics, Super Bowls, uh, World Series, when NBC had the World Series. Then this guy, um, Dick Ebersol, comes in, and uh, he was ahead of NBC, not sports yet. He picks Weissman's brain for about four months, runs Weissman out of town, and Weissman goes out to L.A. where he buys NMT trucks, right? All the trucks you see at every sporting mm -hmm. event, Weissman buys it. He's no longer working in television anymore. He just owns TV trucks, and that's how he makes his living. Fox talks him out of coming out of retirement. And, and I mean, this guy, the personality on this guy, I'm going to get him on a show one day. This guy, oh, God, what a talented dude, man. Funny, smart. But he had, he, you know, you would think a guy like him had seen it and done it all. He was the mentor to Costas. He was a mentor to uh, Dick Enberg. All these guys that were coming up at NBC. He was a guy... You know, plugging in Marv Albert and Enberg and Costas and all these guys that NBC had going on. So now he's with Fox. And we're doing a game, Fox Saturday game, on a Saturday afternoon in San Francisco. So Roger Sedano is a batter, and he's a right-handed batter. And, you know, he gets up there, he's standing there like this, and, okay, here he comes, right? Fouls the ball off. It comes back, and it hits him. So we, we're not sure where it hit him. We, we think we know where it hit him, but we're not sure where it hit him. So it 
it, it pops up and hits him right on that area of oh, no. the inner thigh and what could have been where you have your cup, right? So we run it on the replay, and it pops back up, and I say, oh, not a lot of meat in that area. <laughs> Which Bob Brunley immediately, without batting an eye, responds, well, not for some guys. <laughs> and when that happens, the truck explodes in laughter, led by Michael Weissman. And he just cannot believe that this, this just went out on television. And it was one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in my life. I, or ever heard in my life, experienced in my life on live television. That's what makes live television so beautiful. Uh, okay, speaking of Mike Weissman, you know, we're talking about New York. Okay. Can you imagine, here we are in Cincinnati, and everybody's excited about the Reds, low team payroll, not spending any money, all these prospects, blah, 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 right? Okay. Can you imagine putting together a team, and this is the stuff, if you guys remember now, and again, I am wrong a lot more than I'm right, but I said this at the beginning of the year, watch out for the Mets crashing and burning. You start signing 40-year-old pitchers, starting pitchers, mm -hmm. and giving them 20, 25, 30, 35, $40 million contracts, right? Yep. And then you're paying Lindor, and then you're paying Alonzo, and then you're paying all these guys. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of cash, even with a $377 million payroll, meaning you're going to run out of cash to address needs. This Mets thing is without a doubt a, a story in baseball. That, I mean, without a doubt, they are the single biggest by far disappointment thus far. Long way to go. Maybe they get it together in Major League Baseball. Well, And the reason it's such a shame, at least from the way I look at it, is because Steve Cohen is somebody who very much wants to win. He's one of those owners that went out there, he spent the money, he has the Mets as basically a toy, and he wants to go and win a World Series. He's not one of those owners that bought the Mets as a business investment and yeah. he just wants to say that he owns a team but doesn't really care about the product. And, oh, if they win, they win, great. If they lose, whatever. But I don't really care about sports in the end. I just want to own a team. Steve Cohen is somebody that is affected by them being this bad, one, financially, because yep. they went out and spent the money and they're just – God awful. And two, he's invested in the product and now it's backfiring on you where you're one of the worst teams in, in, in the league. I mean, what do you do? There was some proposal I saw over the weekend. Uh, I think it was on the MLB network. I'm sure it was where somebody was making the proposal that they trade like eight guys to get Shohei Hotani <laughs> and Anthony Rendon from the Angels. You see that? I did. Yeah. I, and by the way, I think Shohei, I mean, realistically, Shohei has three options. It's the Dodgers, it's the uh, Yankees, and it's the Mets that can realistically attain him. But if, if I'm Steve Cohen right now to save this fan base, I do look at probably getting Shohei. Because, right, I mean, they've, like, like Tom said, Max Scherzer's been not good, right? I think Verlander has a 4-5 ERA I'm looking right now. Yep. It's just been a, it's been, a, it's been a clown show there. And it, it makes you wonder, does money solve all the problems? It solves a lot of the problems, but at some point you do have to, uh, you have to do the other part right. You have to get the minor league system right. I, I think Beatty, 
Uh, one of their best, one of their better prospects is up right now. He's struggling. Um, it's just not going well. It's just not going well at all right now in New York. Tom, you, you undersold what they've spent on Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. The two of them combined are making $87 million this year. $43 million a piece and, and some change. So $87 million between two 40-year-old pitchers. And this, everyone talks about. That's more than I think the Reds team payroll. Uh, I guarantee oh, it's somewhere in the neighborhood. 100%. Guarantee it is. And they've got it. They've pitched like 20 games between the two of them through halfway through the year. Everyone talks about the discrepancy in baseball between these, these major market teams and the money they're allowed to spend and the teams like the Reds, the Rays, and, and all these low market teams. But when you look back at the past 20 years of baseball, how many teams have bought themselves a World Series? Well, I, I don't know if it's bought themselves a World Series, but there are – now, look, baseball likes to hang its hat on. And, and, fa and, and, and from a factual standpoint, they are correct. The variety about of champions. The number of different teams that have reached the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. But last year on this show, when we started this show, we got near the end of the year. I mean, you start stacking up all the teams who were in the playoffs last year. There was only one or two outliers in there, and they didn't get past the first round. Yep. So by and large, what you'll see is, you know, in baseball, the more you spend, without a doubt, it increases substantially your chances of making the playoffs. The, the, the lower spending teams that get in the playoffs, whether this year, and there could be a host of them this year, which is amazing. Because right now, if the season ended today, you would have the Arizona Diamondbacks in the playoffs. Division you would winner. have the yep, division winner. You'd have the Cincinnati Reds in the playoffs, division winner. Right. You'd have the Miami Marlins in the playoffs as a wild card. Yep. Right? Yep. And then over in the American League, you'd have Tampa Bay not spending any money, mm -hmm. division winner. Minnesota has spent a little bit of money. I mean, sure. they're, they're, they're not up there with the big boys, but they spent a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, and, and so, but... But those teams, you know, Tampa Bay, yeah, they've gotten to World Series, but they haven't won it, right? Yeah. And most of the time, the bigger market teams, when you get down to your final eight, final four, it's them. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. You, I mean, MLB does mm. hang their hat on the teams that make the postseason. If you look at the last 10 years of World Series winners – there's nine different winners. The only team that, yeah. that has won two World Series is the, the Houston Astros. But, but name the teams. But – yeah, then you start – you look at them. They're big market teams. I mean, you're talking San Francisco, Boston, uh, Chicago, Houston, um, L.A., Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, every one of those top five, top six Right, the Royals right. were the outlier in there. And, and the, the Royals. The yeah, Royals that's, right. In 15, that's right. And then the Nationals won in 19. Those are the, those are the two outliers as opposed to the, the major market teams. So it, it, there is some middle ground, right? I mean, everyone thinks that you just you, you spend a lot of money, you spend millions of dollars, and, and the, the champion starts flowing in. The teams that find success are the teams that have done what the Reds have done, have done what the Rays are doing, which is building, getting a lot of talent. And then when it's time to compete, you go and you spend the money to get those auxiliary players. The Dodgers have found amazing success doing this. They always seem to have prospects come up. And then when it comes time to get Mookie Betts, they can go get Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. So it, 
it's MLB is such a it's such a fickle game. It really it really is. Well, and again, this is more this is an this is a further example of what I was talking about earlier and the situation that the Reds are in right now. Because let's be honest about it here, okay? The Dodgers are beat up. They're really beat up. Uh, you know, their starting rotation has just been in shambles with so many injuries. All right? You have the Padres who have been, after the Mets, the second biggest disappointment in Major League Baseball so far. Still a long way to go. We're going to see the Padres this coming weekend at Great American Ballpark. The Braves are the Braves. But when you look at this year and, the, and talking about the Reds, this, this further, I think, endorses the point I'm trying to make that if the season ends today, yeah, the Braves are in there. But so are the Marlins. I'm not taking any away from the Marlins. It's the Marlins. They're young just like the Reds are. Yep. None of their guys have been in the postseason. Right? They may have one or two guys that are around there have been there, right? You got the Diamondbacks. I mean, you're not playing the Dodgers of the last three years, right? Yeah. You're not playing the 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 Mets or somebody from last year. I mean, a team won ninety something games, whatever it was, right? You're not facing these teams potentially in the Giants. All of a sudden, are coming on. Yeah. I mean, a Giants scare you. I think the Reds scare you worse than a Giants scare you. From an offensive standpoint. I'd agree. And the Giants are getting younger and younger and younger and younger by the week. Because they, they, they do spend some money out there. But this further, I, I think, emphasizes my point. That if there is a year for the Reds to go try and win it, the stars are aligned on a number of different fronts of not facing the juggernaut, potentially, outside of Atlanta. And you just hung with Atlanta. Now, you didn't get their best three, but they didn't get your best three. If the Reds have a best three. Right? Yeah. That's why I continue to come back to the same thing. You got to go for it. I mean, I, I just don't understand how we have people in this chat. And there are a lot of you. And look, you, you know, you, you, my opinion is no better than your opinion. It really isn't. I mean, you know, you, you think they ought to just sit tight. That's fine. But this time next year, you might have the Mets playing like the Mets. You might have Philadelphia playing like Philadelphia the last couple of years. Yep. You might have Atlanta. They're, they're showing no signs of slowing down. All of a sudden, you know the Cardinals this time next year are going to be a hell of a lot better than they are now, right? right. You know the Dodgers are going to all of a sudden figure out whatever it is that's wrong or get guys healthy or get guys in there can do it. You know San Diego, which virtually has Every one of those guys on long-term deals, they're going to be better. So on a year where you say, man, there are a lot of teams that look a lot like us that could be in the playoffs, why not go for it? Does that make any sense at all, or am I just rambling? No, I agree. And, I, and again, I, I think people are trusting the process. And I don't want to be negative here, but I kind of have to be. What has there been to trust over the past 25 years that you're like, oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. And, again, that's not saying this year. I, I, we said it to the Bengals. It's a, different, it's a different thing, right? When the Bengals elevated themselves to where they are now, it's not like they were 20 years ago. However, it's – I mean, I, I give this stat out because it's true. We're the only franchise since the year 2000 to not advance in the postseason, right? 
I think squandering an opportunity to trust the process when we've had nothing to trust over the last 25 years is a fair worry. And again, they've done everything right right now. They are doing everything right. It's no knock on it's you can't like look at the past and be like, oh, the past is definitely this year. It's not. I'm, I'm just saying to squander an opportunity to trust what has been, for the most part, an untrustworthy franchise ownership for the past two decades, in my opinion, is strange. But each their own. I. Elliot brings up great points in the fact that what, what are you to trust? But I, at the same point, and you alluded to this. They've certainly earned some trust now with getting all these Correct. young guys, all these trades. Correct. You know, the what happened last year and the delayed opening day. And as soon as they, they announced the opening day, the Reds just sell off. They sell everyone. Luis Castillo, gone. All these guys, gone. Yep. And for the great majority of those returns have been fantastic. So does Nick Crawl get your trust? Do these Reds get your trust and saying, listen, you, you've got us to this point. You've got all these young guys. Yeah, personally, as a fan, you want them to go and get these, these starting pitching because you see what, what is happening with the rotation, and you want them to compete for the division and, and truly compete and, and dominate going down the stretch. But at the same point, you, you can't turn away and be like, all right, well, you got us this far. we got to, we got to give you a little bit of trust. Do, do, do they earn your trust in that, in that regard? Yeah, Nick Kroll, Nick Kroll has, has earned my – I was worried about Nick Kroll at the beginning. I thought he was going to be a puppet. He is not. He's done everything right. The Reds are in, in a perfect spot. We have the most hype we've ever had. I, I'd argue in the past, I don't know how many years, 25, 30 years. So, yeah, they, they have earned my trust this year. But to say we're going to go out and we're going to trust the Castellinis, nope, I mean, again, no disrespect, but they haven't done a good job, statistically. If you look at what they've done, what we've accomplished here, we've won a home run derby. That's our accomplishment. That's our big what prize. Night, what a night. Well, it was a great night. Todd Frazier, shout out you. And, and Trace has pointed out who we're going to go get. I don't know who you go get. Well, look, there, there are a whole laundry list of names, and we haven't gotten into these, and we will once we get closer to the deadline because we'll see what teams want to do. But if you're talking about looking for pitching, whether it be starters or relievers, the White Sox are, are a train wreck, right? Right. Okay. Uh, Giolito is a guy who's had really good success in his big league career. Okay, what's his, uh, he's only 28 years old, 54 and 49 in his career. Earn run average a little better than three. And he gives you innings. He's gone at least 160 plus innings in each of the last four years. Durable guy. Yep. Right, I mean, not a 200 any guy yet. Okay, all right. Um, bullpen wise, we've talked about a role as chap. I still think that that is a guy that could really, really help the Reds. Uh, we've talked about, Michael Lorenzen a little bit. We've talked about, um, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Lance Lynn's name's been brought up. I, you know, I'd have to pay a little bit more attention to really what he's done so far this year um, and, and where he is. There was a big thing. You know, he seemed like he couldn't stay healthy and so on right. and so forth. So, you know, there are those guys. And then there are the guys like Bieber, which is a whole now different level. Yeah, yep. Corbin Burns might be on that list. Cor as well. well, it might be, might be. The, the, the Reds have basically two avenues here, Tom. I think that there's only two avenues that they can go down when it, if, if they're going to go and get starting pitching help. It is. got to get a guy with player control for, for years in advance, like they gave up with Tyler Malley, like they got with Trevor Bauer. And those names are, are few and far between. 
Um, there's a couple on the list. Uh, who's the Eduardo Rodriguez from the Tigers has like four years of player control. Yeah. He has a, an option. Shane Bieber actually has player control too, but yes. you're going to have to require giving up a lot of talent to get Shane Bieber. Yep. I think that the avenue that the Reds might need to go might need to go after are you know some of these these older talents that that have had you know bad years. A Lance Lynn is is someone who has not pitched great this year. He hasn't, but you know he's got. Playoff success, he has been there. He's done that. He, he can mentor some of the younger guys. Patrick Corbin is another name that is, has been thrown around to where he's going to be incredibly cheap to get. These the arms that aren't having tremendous amount of success this year, but they can eat up innings, and they can have you competing every time that they pitch. Those are the arms that I think would be the better avenue. Guys, that, that might be gone at the end of the year. You know, the, their, their contracts do up at the end of the year. And so what? It's a rental, but it's an incredibly cheap rental that just give you an arm every fifth day. You know, hey, can you get us to the sixth inning and only give up like four runs? Can we? Can you not have us trailing yep. seven to three in the yep. seventh inning and we yep. got we to gotta have these young guys come back every single game? Yep. Someone that can just eat up innings and get you in a position to win every time he comes out and throws. People keep talking about your guy, Ian Javot. How's he going to pitch if we bring in Aroldis Chapman? <laughs> yeah, Ian. Uh, Ian would be, I think, probably – I think he's been okay. I, he's – you know what, Tom? No, you've killed him. Now, no, listen, no, Tom, listen, wait, wait. Listen, Elliot, you, know, you killed the guy. Wait, wait I'll you tell you You killed what, him. What did you, what did you nickname him? High leverage, Ian? Yeah, high leverage Jabot. Jabot. Listen, Mariano Jabot comes out when it's 4 nothing in the 6th, 7th. Ian Jabot's at his best. But when there's a runner on base and it's a tie game, he becomes wor the worst. He becomes J.J. Hoover back in 2015, whatever that was. Uh, I, he's just bad. But, I mean, we got guys. We have T.J. Antone. At some point, that guy has to be healthy. I don't know when. Captain Cook. At, at some point, yeah. I mean, the sticky stuff might have He ruined. had the best stuff of all yep. the guys they have in the entire organization. Yep. That includes Hunter Green. That includes Lodolo. Yep. All of them. When he was healthy... That guy had the best stuff of all of them. My guy, Tony Santiana, I call him Fat Tony. He's, he's a great guy. I think when he comes back, there's a chance he can come out and start a little bit. He can give you four innings, right? So they're, they're, we have to get a little bit more healthy with the bullpen. Give me Fat Tony. Give me, give me TJ Antone. And again, like Reed said, I, we, need, we need at least one. We need one starting pitcher who's pitched in this league before. With respect to the great Levi Stout, who, at, again, that guy's a batting tee. At the end of the day, if the postseason started today, Andrew Abbott is the game one starter. There's he has no four doubt. games under his belt. That's right. That's not sustainable. And they have a, not, a, not a decent shot, not an outside shot of winning the division. They have a very real shot. The rest of the division isn't playing well, except for the Cubs. But... <laughs> They've got a they've got a shot and they've got to make the most of it. You can't let it you can't squander it. You know, uh, as we get closer and closer, we're gonna, we're, we're, what we're going to do here is is we're really going to put together guys that you would seriously consider trading on this team. I got a couple of names and I'm not going to get into them today, but but there are a couple of guys that are starting to make me think. I'd trade them. And there are, there, there are a couple guys that a lot of people around here would say, no way, no way, no way. I, there are a couple of them I'd start to say, mm, I think I might. 
for the right dude or dudes, whatever it might be. Um, okay, do we have uh, box lunch coming up today? What's going on today? Yeah, we're, we're rock, we'll, we'll do box lunch today. You got yeah. box lunch? Is Trace coming in or just you guys handling? What are you me, doing? Me and then I'll, I'll sit up there. You and the guys here? Show. Yeah, we're just going to talk some more okay. Reds. Okay, do we have a uh, cherry on? Uh, we do. Give me about two seconds here. Okay, no about problem. Two, I'm sending it to Casey right now. No, Alex Wallace, I don't want to trade Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> He's <laughs> not one of them. When's Jatterbox night again? That's July 17th. July 17th. July 17th. Oh, one, one other thing while Casey's getting this in here. Uh, we posted a link to a writing position here at Chatterbox. Uh, just to clarify, because I saw some people in the in the comments talking about this. Uh, I listed, you know, all the local teams on there. You don't have to know about every team. We're looking to build a roster of people um, that maybe if you only know about the Bengals and you only want to write about the Bengals, that's fine. Uh, you can send it in. We tweeted out the link. Um, we're closing applications this week. You can send a, a note to me. You can send a DM to me if, if you're still interested. Um, it'll kind of be an ongoing thing, but we want to get some people off the ground to get the to to get the blog and the, and the writing off the ground. So um, it's we're covering all the local teams, and also too, if there's just some like Cincinnati news, we're, we're not we're not looking to break ground. We're not looking to break information. We're not looking to be breaking news. We're looking for informative and entertaining at the same time. We're okay. not looking for you know Pulitzer Prize winning breaking news journalism. So when I start writing, I don't have to be like Paul, you know, a professional Paul over here. He's going to write, you know, hard-nosed journalism stuff. I'm going to probably take a little couple, maybe some jokes here and there, right? Absolutely. Okay. That's what we're looking for. Okay. That's what we're looking for. Thank you, Elliot. Okay. All right. All right. Run, run what it. do we got? This Brought to you by UDF. It's kind of quick. It's from the London series over the weekend. Oh, no. No, just a, just a cool okay, shot. Okay, I thought it was Trey Mancini's, MLB just kind of, you know, everybody broadcast-wise experimenting with some different shots and stuff. Just thought this was a cool a cool drone shot coming out on the field. Yeah. Get a good look at the stadium, get a good look at the field, kind of get a, a panorama of the field and, and everything like that. That is cool. Just I, I thought the whole weekend was just, just to see everything there. Well, what a beautiful day. Isn't that? Look at that shot. That is very cool. I'm assuming that's in a, uh, uh, a soccer stadium. It is. Yeah, they built that stadium for the 2012 Olympics, and now it is a soccer stadium. That's, that's very cool. All right. Um, I am not going to be here, as I mentioned, uh, heading out to Annapolis, Maryland for um, – what do you call those – what do you call them when they go in, Paul, to the Naval Academy? The Plebe Summer. Plebe. Plebes. P-L-E-B-E. P-L-E-B-E. The yeah. Plebes, Yes. So I have a niece who is uh, enrolling and being uh, welcomed into the uh, Naval Academy. Go to downtown Annapolis, Tom. We will be there tomorrow night. Down by the wharf. My There's dad's flying in from Europe for this deal. We got like 20 people staying in an Airbnb, and I'm a little under the weather, and I'm thinking to myself, God, how nice would it be just to go stay in a hotel by myself? Is that a bad thing to say? No, that's no. a good thing. Everyone needs their alone time. What's your temperature in a hotel, Tom? You keep it at 62? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, very much, for sure. As low as it goes. I like to break the air conditioner. As long as <laughs> just fire the cold air in there. You know what your guy Pat Hughes used to do? What do you do? He More would frequent. get in a hotel, right? And maybe he still does it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And you know how when you get a hotel and you get on the road and maybe it's one of those deals where you get somewhere and 
maybe for the first time in Lord knows how long. You might have a couple days where you can actually sleep in a little bit, right? I mean, I'm at the age now where I'll wake up at like 6. But, you know, in the right situation, you can go back to sleep at least maybe for a couple hours, Mm -hmm. right? So, Pat, you never wanted that light coming in, even through the curtains. You know what I mean? Right. He would travel the blackout, a shade, and tape. Really? And get that thing dialed in. I mean, no sunlight creeping through there. I love it. Love that from Pat. <laughs> love Pat. Pat's a, he's going to the Hall of Fame this summer. Yeah. He's, he's going the best. in. He's the best. So excited for him. So excited for him. He certainly has earned it. All right, Case, have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Tom. All right, Paulie. All right. Elliot, Reed, box lunch ready to go right now, right? Ready, rock. Box lunch. Here we go.